Good evening, family. How's everybody doing? You all good? It's good to be together this evening and to be with you. You ready? Can I switch gears and get to the word for the evening? It's my privilege to share with you a word that I believe in the life of our community at this time is really a, a word that is the Lord calling us to hear something. So the title of my message this evening is, What is the Time? What is the Time? And uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced it or can remember when you ever asked your parents or some older person, what's the time? And what the answer was that you were looking for is it's seven o'clock. But then they give you some wise Alec answer like it's time to go to bed. Or it's time to do your homework. Or it's time to get off your phone. Any of you ever had an encounter like that with your parents? Where you just ask them, can you just tell me the time? And then they use that as an opportunity to you know, tell you a different kind of time. And I, I've certainly done that with my children many times. And normally when I do that, when they were younger, their response would be, they roll their eyes, they'd f- like, oh, dad, you know, and uh, just sort of get frustrated with me. And uh, what happened in that moment and why we are, they frustrated with me is because they asked me for a certain type of time indicator, but I gave them a different time indicator than they wanted. And uh, we've spoken in the church a lot about this idea of the Scripture uses two Greek words. And even in the Hebrew, there's a bunch of words to describe time. In the Greek, the two main words to describe time is chronos and kairos. Chronos is the Greek word for sequential time. It is where we get our, our, world, our word chronology from. It's the time descriptor that, the descriptor that describes the time that just happens to go by. Seconds follow after each other. Minutes follow each after. Hours follow each after. And it doesn't matter where you are in the world. Time goes by according to a certain rhythm. That is Kronos time. Then you get this thing called Kairos time. Kairos time is not measured by the ticking clock. It's measured by events, by moments that happen that are memorable, where something happens and it becomes a special moment. I want to put a picture up. I asked the guys to put up this picture. I realized this afternoon, ooh, perhaps I should have found a more recent picture for this crowd. How many of you know if I ask you, when was this picture taken, recognize this picture? Are you okay? How many of you don't know what this picture is? Sorry, so sorry. I, I should have found a more recent picture. Okay, those of you that know, can you help me? What, when was this picture taken? It, on the 27th of April, 1994. That's a picture, aerial photograph that was taken. It went worldwide to show people how our nation was so ready for this day that crowds all over our nation gathered and queued. And those of us that had the privilege to vote that day will tell you the stories of these queues. It was one of the first occasions and while it was the first occasion where black, white, Indian, colored, we all stood together in queues for long hours to vote. And that happened on the 27th of April, 1994. Now, if I ask you what time or when this was taken and you give me that answer, you are using the Kronos description of time to answer my question. But if I ask you what time it is, you can also answer with a different description. You can give me the Kairos description. The Kairos description will sound something like this. It was the day of democracy. It was the day of freedom. It was the day of hope. Then you're describing the moment 
not the date. Does that make sense to you? And we need to understand both of those time descriptions. You see, all over the world that day, it was the 27th of April, 1994. It didn't matter where you went in the world. That day was known as 27 April, 1994, chronologically. But in Kairos time, it was only in South Africa, in our nation, that it was the day of freedom. It was only here that that became that moment for us. And you and I both live our lives in the chronological time. I'm going to trip over that word a couple of times tonight. That's okay. We, we both live our times in, in this reality of chronos time. That right now for all of us, if my watch is correct, it's 1857. That's the same for all of us. And we all live our lives in that kind of time. But we also live our, time, our lives in the time where there's moments. Right now, each of you are going through time a little bit different when it comes to kairos. We are all experiencing it the same chronologically. But in terms of moments, you could be sitting there and saying, this is a time of sadness in my life. Or you could be saying, this is a time of great joy. This is a time of hope. Or you could say, it's a time of sorrow. Because then you're describing the kairos moment. This, what is the season? What is the happening in your life at this time? And any person that lives on this planet has to be able to know how to live well in both time lines. But I think particularly for us as Christians. Because it seems to me that God particularly measures time by Kairos, not so much by Kronos. You read the scripture, God will so often say, and it was the time for, and he'll mention moments. It's not often that God actually talks about time chronologically. Not that that means time chronologically is not important. You and I have to live well with chronological time and with kairos time. If you don't live well with chronological time, if you don't do well with your chronology, you will fail in your kairos moments. What I mean by that is, you know, kairos moments happen within chronos time. So if, if we say, for instance, tonight at 1800 hours, evening service starts, that's a chronos descriptor. And if you get your at 19.30, you could have missed the kairos that happened within the chronos. And then you can't say, oh well, we cannot live our lives from chronos to chronos, or from kairos to kairos, just, you know, woohoo, you know, I'm just looking for the moment. No, we have to live life well and disciplined in the chronological time, so that we can have the Kairos moments. So I don't want to play one off against the other, but I do want to say it's so vital for us to learn to read what is the time. And that's the question I want to ask you tonight in your own life. What is the time? What time is it for you? Jesus got frustrated with the people of his day because he felt they didn't do well at understanding what time it is. They didn't get the time right. When he asked them to, what is the time, they couldn't tell him. And one of the ways he described this frustration is we find in Matthew 11 verse 17. Where Jesus was speaking to them one day. And, and if you read the whole passage, you, you'll see his frustration. And he was like really miffed with them. You know, that's a good Greek word. And uh, he was just like, you know, 
Chedon, another good Greek word. And uh, he said to them, we played wedding songs and you didn't dance. So we played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. He used music as a time descriptor because so often in our lives, key moments are, are announced by different kinds of music. So he says, we, we started playing for you Happy songs, songs of celebration because we were announcing that a couple is getting married and it was this wonderful occasion, but you couldn't discern it was time for celebration, so you didn't dance with. You didn't understand the time. And then we thought, oh, well, perhaps you're just in a sad moment, so let's play sad music for you so that you can join the time because perhaps it's sad, but then you still didn't want to respond. You didn't understand what time it is. Music is such a fantastic thing in our lives. I think one of the great powers of music is it is a bridge between Kairos time and Kronos time. I, I'm sure you've experienced it where you listen to music and you started losing track of time. Uh, my wife bought me AirPods for, my, for just a summer, not for a fantastic present. Not real ones, knockoffs, but they work well. <laughs> they really work well. It's like, you know, just, she just blessed me one day. So often at night, before I go to bed, I just put a playlist on, put my AirPods on, and I'm just listening to music. And sometimes it helps me sleep. Sometimes I get so caught up in the music. And then I look, it's an hour later, and I'm like, ooh, I'm supposed to be sleeping a long time ago. And music does that. It seems to just sometimes get us out of the rhythm of the clock. I don't know if you've experienced that during time of worship, in music particularly. Tonight we had a shorter time because we had so much to get done. But it can be that you just get lost. And it's like time disappears. Because you're moving from, your, uh, from being the front of your mind, your awareness, Kronos time. You move to Kairos time. And moment starts being measured differently. If you're not into my sermon tonight, if, you, if for some other reason this may feel like an hour for you. When we're not engaged in something, when we're not enjoying something, when we're not feeling like it's capturing us, time can feel like it's so long. We've all experienced that. Perhaps you've been in a conversation with somebody, which is a fantastic conversation, and it's like time just disappeared. And then you suddenly realize, oh, I'm late for my next appointment, and you'll say, I lost track of time. Because time moved from Kronos to this time where something special happened, and you, and you cannot measure it the same way. Or sometimes we say, it's like time stood still, because I was so engaged with it. I was so caught up in the moment that time stood still. Before I knew it, I had to be somewhere else. And this is what happens in all of our lives. We never know quite when a moment can break through, and it can become this Moment in time where something of value and meaning can happen. Often music helps us to bridge between the two. And you and I each have this privilege, not only in our own lives, but also in the places where we operate, where God sends us to be those that can help others move from the drudgery of normal time into the possibilities that God can do in time. To see those moments but it's so important for us that we don't just live in one type of time, 
but that we understand the time. So I want to ask you again, what time is it in your life? What is God saying about the time right now? I want to ask you about our nation. What time does God say it is in our nation? Because there's many people that will tell you what the time is. But we need to understand what God says the time is. In Ephesians 5 verse 16, Paul writes to the community of faith in, in Ephesus. In this Greek part of the world, a part of the world that particularly comes from the Greek understanding of time, which is a much more chronos type of time, chronological time. He writes to them these words, and most of the translations that we have puts it like this. In Ephesians 5 verse 16, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And, and, and that word, make the most of every opportunity, it's our translation trying to capture the meaning of the word kairos. That word for time there in the Greek is actually the word kairos. Make the most of the opportunity, the time that something is about to happen because the days are evil. F.F. Bruce, one of the great commentators and exegetes of the scripture, says that it's probably not the right way to translate that because that, that scripture captures more than just opportunity. And he says the, the way the Weymouth Bible translated is probably the better way, where the Weymouth translation says, buy up your opportunities for these are evil times. Buy up your opportunities. The original word in the Greek there is the word exagorazo, which our best English word for it is to ransom. You know what a ransom is? is if, if somebody decides to kidnap somebody and they take a child or a person captive, and they hold them, and then they'll send a message to whoever's child or family member, whoever loves this person, and they'll say, if you want this person back, you must pay me a ransom. And when you pay that amount, this child will be let loose from the captivity and be brought back into freedom. That's the word ransom. It's where we get our word redeem from. To redeem is to buy out of captivity. It's a financial term that they used in the time to describe transactions, particularly this type of transaction. In the common language of the day, this word, exagorazo, was used, for instance, to describe this kind of transaction. If you went to the local market and there were slaves that were on sale in the local market, as you would find all the time in that time in the world, you could buy people. You could go to a shop and buy people. But some people, and it became a particularly Christian thing to do, would go and buy a slave from the market and then set that slave free and say, I have now bought you, I now own you, but I want to use my ownership to give you the right to freedom. And they would sign a document and that slave would be set free. That is to redeem, to buy something out of captivity to set it free. So what Paul is saying to us and to the Ephesians is he's saying, you and I must learn to use our time to get back what is caught in slavery and to set it free. Our time can be captured and held hostage by this world. One of the greatest ways the enemy will frustrate the purposes of God in your life is by capturing your time. And my time. That's why he says, buy out your opportunities, redeem the time, for they are evil. This, these are evil times. That word evil means their opposition 
This is a time in all of our lives where the enemy comes against us and tries to capture us. And one of the ways he captures us is by getting, taking hold of our time. Saying, I'm going to take your time and I'm going to make your time get lost. When you start getting to my age, I'm now in my 51st year of life. It's amazing how you suddenly start realizing that there's less time left for me than I've lived up until now. And it does do something for you. It starts motivating you a little bit. In, in, in your 20s and 30s, you think, hey, I've got lots of time. Now I'm starting to, I've got like literally 14 years before I retire. And I'm starting to figure out, how am I going to get everything done that I feel God calls me to do? How, what, am, what, what am I going to lead this church into in these 14 years? And you may think, hey, 14 years is a lot. But let me tell you, from where I'm standing, 14 years is like this. Because I've, I've done it a couple of times, 14 years. <laughs> I know, it goes quickly. And time becomes our most precious commodity is time. Because you cannot increase time. But you can buy back time. Our time gets held captive by the enemy. Sometimes because we are using it for our own purposes and our own agendas. And we try and take our time and we use it for what we think is the right thing. And that's time being taken captive. Because if you use your time for what you think is right and what you want to do in life, you're actually making your time less. You're reducing it. You're spending it on things that will show a low return. The highest return you can have of your time is to say, Lord, I give you my time. Because God is an amazing being. He is the father of time. What God does when I give my time to him is he takes my chronos and he converts it into kairos a lot more than what I can get done. And he makes my time go further. Not chronologically. He cannot increase my chronological time. Just because I'm a Christian, it doesn't mean there's 75 seconds in my minute. I still only have 60 seconds. But you know what God does when he steps into your life and he makes those seconds suddenly become kairos moments. And that's how I buy my time. Now listen carefully to what I say. I, I want to pause at this for a moment. Because we live in a time right now in this world where it is told to us that the best way to live is to decide for yourself. We as a culture have consistently moved further and further away from anything else telling us how to live. And it's actually told to us today that the best way you can live is if you can completely be self-determinant and tell yourself what it is, who you are, what you want to do, look like, who you want to represent. Nobody else must interfere with you. Definitely not your community and also not God. The only way you can be happy is if you can be exactly who you choose to be. To the point right now, where we don't even allow God to tell us anymore our gender. We've taken that away from him. And we said, we can only be happy if we can decide what my gender is. Now, I, I must be honest with you. I, I struggle with that. I understand it. I have compassion for it. I understand the wrestling. I understand a lot of it comes from stereotypes. 
and people being held captive by social stereotypes and, and people are trying to find themselves and, and they're not fitting into different stereotypes and, and the answer becomes, well, if, if I can decide who I am, then I can break free from the stereotypes and then I can be me. Just the, the, the strange thing is, anybody that decides that still looks for everybody else to validate who they are. So it's not complete self, but it's sold as that. But you know the one thing, I don't know if we can get it right ever. Perhaps someday we will. Then you can come tell me. But the one thing we still cannot decide for ourselves is what time we will live in. I'm sure somebody will want to discover something that can remove even that decision from God. That I can decide. I don't want to live this time. I want to live in another time. But right now, you are alive on this planet, and you had no say over it. You did not determine your time. It's still determined by God. Because the Scripture says He determines the times of every person. He determines the time. I know there's a guy in India. I know if you heard the story. Lived in, um, uh, in, in Mumbai. That sued his parents. Because he said they didn't consult him before they generated him. He didn't want to be alive now. So it's already in that, that decision of, I don't even want anybody to decide when I live. I will not be happy until I decide when I live. Now, you can stop living. You can exercise that decision. You can say, I don't want to live in this time and remove yourself from this time, but you cannot then put yourself in another time. You don't have that power. So in a sense, you already determine, God is already determining your time. But we fight Him. We fight Him for it all the time. We try and take away from Him. And we say, I'm going And that's simply what happened in the Garden of Eden. It's one of the subplots of what the snake said to Adam and Eve is, you cannot trust God. He's not trustworthy. You've got to decide for yourself. Your happiness will only be achieved if you decide what you want in life. Don't trust God. But as a child of God, I've come to a place where I say, I trust Him. And that means my time is His. I buy back my time. Sometimes my time is held captive, not by me, but by others. I can be so desperately trying to live up to other people's expectation. I can be so desperately trying to be living up to what... Others are thinking of my time or somebody else's agenda or somebody else's purposes that I'm, I'm a captive to their time. God says, no, I want you to redeem, buy back. Let me buy back your time. Sometimes in our culture, we can be so captive to Kronos time. We're so aware of every second, every moment that we miss the moments, we miss the opportunities. Many things can hold our time captive. I, I, I don't want to talk about social media. I don't want to talk about many things that eat time. As a family, we have a family accountability time every Monday night that we share with each other what's going on in our lives. And one of the things we do is we check our screen time. And we have decided as a family, what is our acceptable screen time ratio? And then we check each other. Are we keeping to that? Now, my two youngest, so, you know, they're still at an age where I put limits on their phones. But my two older ones, you know, I'm, they've got to decide for themselves. But not because we're checking up on each other or, 
you know, but just because we know our time can get lost so quickly. And I've only got so much time. Every season of my life, there's opportunities that if something else takes my time captive, I'll not develop in the areas that I need to. I will not make the most of every opportunity. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you, it's not going to be long. And Christian young people that understand these things will get such an advantage in this world because we would have bought out the time. And others' development will go slow and they will fall behind. And us, we can stand up because God is doing something in our lives. Don't let your time be held captive, but buy out. Redeem it. Buy it back. How do you buy it? What currency do you buy time with? You buy time through obedience that comes from faith. That's how you buy time. It's by saying, God, in this moment, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to give myself and my time and my energy to what you say. When you do that, God steps in and he can take a regular chronos time and make it an event of something special that can happen, something beautiful. Now, sometimes with him, we have to invest a lot of chronos time before we get to the Kairos explosions or the Kairos seasons. But even in the time of sowing, in the time of waiting, in the time of patience, we'll experience the, the goodness of God. Even in the times of the struggle, God is with us. But we know that every moment sown in God's hands will produce a harvest. It will for His kingdom. There's nothing better for me to give my time to. We can misread the time. So if I ask you, what is the time? We can get it wrong. And we do it all the time. I mean, I, I have so many times that I've missed what God is saying. I want to show you two quick examples from Scripture. The first one I think you'll know is the story of David. In 2 Samuel 11 verse 1, he tells us this story that it says, In the spring at the time, that word time there, talks about a season, an opportunity. Not time as in Kronos, but time as in Kairos. At the time, at the opportunity for kings to go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. So David misread the time. It was the time that he was supposed to be out at war. But what did David do? He stayed at home. And that led to A time of bathing. Where he should have seen the lady's name and knew that this was a problem. Her name was Bathsheba and she bathed on the roof. And that led him to trouble. And it became the low point in his life. It became the point in his life where his time was captured. And he spent the rest of his life trying to buy back that moment. And he never got it quite right. To buy back that moment where he missed what he was actually supposed to be doing. Every moment in our lives has consequences. 2 Kings 13 verse 18 tells a story of a king by the name of Joash. 
who was a king in the time of Israel and in a time where the kings were particularly not following the will of God. But there came this one king in this moment where everything could change, turn around. The, the whole nation of Israel was on the steady decline away from God's purposes and the nation was falling apart. And then this one king stood up and he started bringing some things back to the way God wanted things to be done. So the prophet Elisha came to him and, and one day said to him, look, if you want to destroy the Aramites, the, the, the people of Aram that are being used to destroy Israel, Israel and to hold Israel captive at that moment. They were stealing away from Israel the whole time. He said, if you want to redeem this moment, take out an arrow and shoot it on the ground. And God will, as you shoot that arrow, that'll be the proclamation, the response in this moment that'll initiate a chain reaction that'll lead to Aram being destruct, destroyed. So we read the story in 2 Kings 13. So the king took the arrows and he shot the ground and he only shot it three times. And the scripture tells us the prophet became angry with him. And said, why did you only shoot the ground three times? If you did it five or six times, then the whole of the army of Aram would have been destroyed. But because you only did it three times, only three parts of them will be destroyed. And they'll come back and still hold you captive. He missed the moment. There's times when God comes and says, now's the time to step out. Now's the time to give everything. Now's the time. But we can be so, ah, whatever. I want to be chill, Lord. I, I don't want to look like a fool. I don't, you know, I don't want to go over the top here. I don't want to stand out of the crowd. I, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to be the only one, you know. Sort of, okay, I'll do it, but just a little bit so that, it's, so that I feel like I'm pleasing God, but I'm not really upsetting everybody else, and I'm not really standing out. So I'm just going to do it a little bit. Hey? Who am I speaking to? You say, like anybody... Thanks, my mother. Hey, don't we all do that? You know, you're at church and, and God says to you, I want you to go to the front and dance. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> Lord, I don't know if people need to see me dance in public. It's, just, you know, it's not what I do, Lord. And then the Lord says, no, I need you to. I, I have had times in my life I, when I was in your every life. I remember a, a moment we were in Joburg. It's thousands of people at what used to be called the IFCC conference. And I was trusting God for something in my life. And I felt the Lord say to me, you need to go in the front and dance in the front. And there was like two weird oaks dancing in the front. You know? <laughs> and it's like, I can still remember I had my, in those days in the training center, we had these blue blazers and blue ties that we wore whenever we went out. And I had my blue blazer and my blue tie and my white shirt and my gray trousers and looking all, you know, I'm representing baby. And I'm like, you know, I'm a serious, I was like a, third year student. I'm a senior. What are these year of your life is going to think of me if I go? So, and the Lord said, you need to go dance. <laughs> no, this is not the Lord. You know that. And you, then you know you're spoiled, baby, because it's like all you're thinking of. So eventually I sort of worked my way to the, not the front row, but just standing here. It's like, there's those weird oaks dancing. I'm just going to stand here. And like, um, you know, I'm, I'm just doing enough. Lord, you must be happy with me. I'm stepping out in faith. But I'm still keeping my dignity. And the Lord said, oh, go sit down. You're wasting my time. <laughs> okay, sorry. So I can remember going to stand in the front. and I'm not going to tell you what I did. It's just too embarrassing. I don't want to relive that moment too much. I had to dance and give all out. And there's times in our lives where God says, it's time. 
You need to step out. You need to put your colors up. You need to make known what you hope for and what you believe. You can't play it cool. You cannot just blend in. You've got to stand out and not miss the time. It's time sometimes. These oaks missed it. But there's some great stories of opportunities where people heard the time. And we see the results of it. You know the story in 2 Kings 4. It's also where Elisha the prophet meets a, a widow whose husband was a prophet. And he died suddenly and left her with nothing. He's working in the church, didn't get lots of money, you know, didn't have a pension plan. These things happen. And he died. And uh, he, Elisha comes down the road and this, prophet see, uh, this wife sees him and she comes to him and says, in, in verse 1, she says, it says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, Elisha, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Because she couldn't pay the money she owed. The custom of the day is that he could come and take her sons and they would work for him as long as it needed to to pay off her debt. They would become slaves. So she says to the prophet, it's the time of failure. It's the time of loss. It's the time where my sons will be taken from me. It's time. But the prophet being the prophet heard something different. He heard God say, it's not the time of loss. It's the time of the overflow. And he said to her, go get all your stuff. Get all the the." the, the the jars that you can. Now, he's essentially saying to a lady that's in trouble because she borrowed money to go borrow more. So I don't know if this is wise words generally, but this is what the prophet says to her. Go borrow more stuff. Ask your neighbors who knows you're already in debt, you can't pay your debt if they'll lend you some more things. I think most of the neighbors went, okay, I'll just get the bad Tupperware out the cupboard and give that to her because we're not going to get this stuff back. And they give her And you know the story. What happened? It became the time of God's provision. Everything said, it's time for things to fall apart. But God said, it's time for my goodness. The prophet discerned it. Another one, a fantastic story, and there's so many in the scriptures, and I'm coming to an end, is in Nehemiah. In Nehemiah, there's a story of, the, of Jerusalem, the city of God. The nation's pride and joy that represented the power of God. But for 152 years, the walls of Jerusalem have lies in ruin. It's like the other gods became stronger than the God of Israel. And it's became this embarrassment that anybody could walk through the city of Jerusalem and take whatever they wanted. They ransacked the temple. They stole everything from God's people because they had no wall. They had no protection anymore. For 152 years, the walls of Jerusalem was lying in ruin. The nation was destroyed. The pride of the nation in tatters. And there's this man, Nehemiah, who's the servant of the king, king of Syria at the time. And uh, he's a cupbearer. So he's got his family, some of his brothers, go to Jerusalem to go visit the people living there. And when they come back, he says to them, and you can read this in Nehemiah 1, he says to them, so how's it going in Jerusalem? Looking for some news. They're saying to him, it's terrible. The people that are living there trying to rebuild the walls, they're living in ruins. They're getting attacked all the time. They're sick. They're diseased. It's terrible. It's the time of destruction. 
for 70 years. 152 years at this point, the walls have been lying ruins. For 70 years, the people have tried to rebuild it. But it's, nothing's happening. Nehemiah hears this news and it breaks his heart. He just cannot shake the news. He cannot just carry on and say, oh, well, sorry for those guys. <laughs> Told them not to go to Jerusalem, but to stay here in, with, a, you know, it's nice here, Babylon. His heart breaks. He becomes depressed. Scripture says he, his face is downcast. Everybody that knows him knows this guy's upset. He's, he cannot just carry on with life. But now he doesn't know what to do. He knows something is, must happen, but he doesn't know what. He says, Lord, what time do you say it is? It's the time of ruin, but I, I, I cannot just leave this alone. What time do you say it is? For a year, he walks around like this, tripping over his bottom lip the whole time. Just miserable, you know. One day, he's serving the king. And in, in Nehemiah 2, it says, it was the first time, he says, that I couldn't help myself. But my, my frustration, my depression, my sadness broke through my face, and the king saw it. You know, when you serve the king, you have to be on your best behavior. That king can chop off your head if he doesn't like what you're doing, like this. Just a word. So he was able to hide when he was with the king how was he was feeling. But that day he said, I couldn't help myself. And the sadness showed on his face. And the king looked at him and said, why are you looking so sad? I've never seen you like this. What's wrong with you? Are you ill? What's going on? And he said, that moment, the scripture says, I became afraid. Because I knew I'm, I'm, if I, there's something happening now. And, he, and probably he prayed inside. He said, Lord, is this the moment? What time is it, Lord? Is it time for me to say something? Or is it time for just to say, oh, I'm sorry, King, I, I just ate something. My pizza, you know, it's a bit old last night. So, you know, I, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Or is it the time? And he said, and he took courage, and he felt it was time to say something. So he said to the king, how can I be happy when my nation lies in ruin? And he stepped out, and he redeemed that moment by his obedience in faith. And you know what happened? The king said, we've got to do something about it. The walls have been lying in ruin for 152 years. For 70 years, they've been trying to rebuild it. Nehemiah discerned the moment, and the Kairos moment arrived. And in 52 days, they rebuilt the walls. The Kairos moment came. When a Kairos moment comes, and we discern the time that God says it is, something can happen that can never happen in any other time. There's acceleration, divine acceleration that can happen. There's divine possibilities that we tap into because then we're living according to God's rhythm of time, not our limited rhythm of time. So I want to ask you, what time is it? Worship team, will you guys join me? What time is it in your life? What time do you think it is? What time and what season are you discerning? What time is it? What time is it in your family? What time is it? Are you saying it's a time to be a student? It's a time to be a young person. It's a time to just do whatever I want and to enjoy my life. Ecclesiastes speaks about that and it says, Be careful, young man. Enjoy your life when you are young. But know that you will give an account for every moment you lived. That's God's view. Are you saying it's a time of depression. It's a time of struggle. 
It's a time of hopelessness. What time is it? Tonight I want to ask the Lord, what time do you say it is, Lord? And I'd love it if you can ask the Lord, what time is it, Lord? What time is it? What time is God saying to you this? Some people say, it's the time of joblessness. It's the time where there's no work for young people. But what is God saying? It's the time. What is God saying is your time? Some say it's the time for the rich to become richer and the poor to become poorer. But what time does God say it is? Some say it's the time to give up hope. But what time does God say it is? God saying perhaps it's the time to, to, to get your hopes up. To rise your expectations. Some say it's the time for our world to fall apart. For our planet to be destroyed. It's the time of global warming. It's the time. And all of those things are true. But what time does God say it is? What time does God say in your life it is? Lord, I pray right now that you would help us to be a generation that redeems the time. Some say we won't turn things around anymore. It's too late. But we want to believe that walls can be rebuilt in 52 days. We want to believe that new possibilities can happen. We want to believe, Lord, that there's opportunities in our nation. We want to believe that the poor and the marginalized will become part of our nation more than ever before. There will be more opportunities. We want to say, Lord, what time do you say it is? What time is God saying to you it is? What time does God say to you it is? I want to invite you at this moment. And then I'm going to close the service. We'll be continuing on. But for you that is very aware of the Kronos time, it's already 1940, not in years, in time, in seconds and hours and minutes. And I want to release you. Please remember to go to the displays and go and have time of connect and go and get your sticker. Don't miss out on that opportunity. If you're still filling in your card, just give us that also. But I want to invite you in this moment. If there's something in your heart of saying, Lord, I want to buy my time back. Perhaps there's something that you recognize tonight that you say, this has been keeping me captive. This has taken hold of my time. But I want to buy it back tonight because I want to step out in obedience and be a person of faith in obedience. Why don't you just come to the front? I'm going to ask our team to just be ready to pray with you. Come, let's buy back time here tonight. Let's step out and redeem the time. Perhaps it's not about yourself, but perhaps there's something that you feel God is calling you to make a difference in this world. Perhaps you feel God is saying to you, you need to change something in this world. And you're saying, Lord, I want to be a, a person that buys out the time so that your times and your seasons can come on earth. Then come, let us pray with you. Perhaps God's called you to change the times as a teacher, as an engineer, as a doctor. As a mechanic, as a plumber, whatever it is God may have said to you, you need to change the time. 
The times must become different. Come, let us pray with you and stand with you. But let's buy back the time tonight. Lord, I thank you for our time together tonight. Thank you for this hour and 40 minutes we could have spent together. But I pray that this will lead as we go from here to moments and times and opportunities. That when we're not here gathered as the church, that when we're scattered as the church all over the city from here on, that there will be moments and times where you will come and do things through our lives that will glorify you. And we pray and trust you for that. Thank you for every person that's been here tonight that will listen to this message on the radio. We pray for your blessing over them, for your hand to be upon them, that we will make the most of our times and our seasons. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask the musicians to keep on playing, and we're going to stay in this moment. But if you want to go, you're welcome. Please go to the, through to the connect area. Go through to the main auditorium. If you want to do that so long, Or come forward and let us pray with you.